Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. Thank you for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe and hit the bell notification to get notified whenever we have new content available to you. You can all stay up to date with the show when you're on the go by downloading us on your favorite podcast app. And, you know, week four, a quarter of the season is almost in the books when we get through the Monday night game. It's been a doozy of a quarter. And we have to go through all of our notes from this week. Thank you for peeling away from what is actually a tight Sunday night game right now. Believe it or not. That's something we're going to have to talk about, Chase, in the Operation Domination episode. By the way, Chase Thornton in the building. How are we doing today, buddy? Well, hey, we're doing well. Uh, yeah, Vince and Kevin from the Sports Stove wanted you to make wanted me to make sure that I got introduced as the champion of the Sports Stove Fantasy Baseball League for the network. So, uh, yeah, I'll put that out there. I'm not going to brag too much because, uh, yeah, I did kind of back into it here. But uh, first time ever playing fantasy baseball, took home a championship. I'll take that all day long. Like I said, it helps make up for the tail whooping I'm taking in football kind of across the board today. So <laughs> it's uh, well, it's OK. So you I think you got me in both of our debates. So I think that's a, that's OK, too. Yeah, I, I was very happy with Derrick Henry's day. I'll just I'll put that out there. Yeah, we're, we're going to go. Th- we're going to go through it all. I'll get a scoreboard we'll graphic up for us when we do the Operation Domination episode on uh, on Wednesday. But yeah, you got you got me on Gus. Who uh, he had the volume I was looking for, so I, yeah. I'm not I'm not mad about my process because he got the volume I was looking for, but not right. the production. And yeah, Derrick Henry had himself a day even with Peter Skaronski out. So yeah, we'll we'll talk about that and and so much more. So let's just go ahead and dive right into it. So our first recap has to be the Thursday night game, of course. The Detroit Lions. Handling business against those Green Bay Packers. Oof, oof, oof. Yes, they we'll, did. We'll get into uh, your your Packer fandom in a moment and all that stuff, but let, let's go ahead and talk about uh, those heroes and zeros first. Heroes and zeros. Zero, heroes. Ooh, wrong one. Here we go. So, all right, so first off, let's talk about those 
zeros, which uh, for me, for fantasy purposes, had to be Aaron Jones. I actually had him ranked as a high-end RB2. I was wrong, 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 wrong. I thought if he played, he would not be limited because why bring back Aaron Jones on a Thursday game if he wasn't fully ready to go? And desperately needing the offense to work, desperately needing the running game to get going because A.J. Dillon continues to be terrible, and yet he walks away with only five carries. But this is the bonus part. Two targets, one reception for negative four yards in a game in which the Packers were trailing by multiple scores pretty much the entire game. That I would not have expected. So Aaron Jones had to be my zero for that one. What was yours, Chase? No, I'm going to agree with you on that one right off the bat. I have no idea what they were thinking, what the offensive game plan was not having him. Like you said, if he's healthy enough to play, why was he not run out there more than than the minuscule amount? What was it, seven, eight, eight looks that he had? The whole time, um, uh, yeah, yeah, seven total opportunities. Yeah. yeah, yeah, five, yeah, five carries and two targets. I think it's just ridiculous. Um, you know, your most dynamic offensive player in terms of you know what he brings to the offense. You can use him all over the place in the in the pass game and the run game. No idea what they were thinking there. Um, zeros for me. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I whiffed on Jameer Gibbs. I had him as a borderline RB one, and and he obviously did not quite live up to that. He was still playable. He just he didn't quite reach the uh, the levels I I thought he might. Um, honestly, I think a big part of that was, and I'm sure we'll talk about him in two seconds here. But David Montgomery played a hell of a lot more, was utilized a hell of a lot more than I thought he would be coming off injury. Yeah, you know what? Let's let's go ahead and just just talk about that. Um, David Montgomery definitely was a hero of mine heading into this one. I was way ahead of the ECR, had him ranked at RB24. Uh, ECR had him at RB28. He was somebody that the Lions did decide that they were going to use properly if they were going to bring him back on a Thursday night and say, you know what, you are 100% good to go. And he gets 32 carries for 121 yards and a Two touchdowns in that game. Uh, three touchdowns, excuse me, in that game. Hat trick. Two targets, two catches, 20 yards. And Dave Montgomery's showing that he is established. He is the man. He is the guy. Jameer Gibbs is there as a compliment and a compliment only. We'll talk more about that in our observational notes. Uh, but other than that, I had Romeo Dobbs. I was ahead of ECR on him as well. 13 targets, nine receptions, 95 yards. So those had to be my two heroes for this game. What were yours, Chase? Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna take a victory lap with you on the Romeo Dobbs thing. I wasn't quite as far ahead of him on, on ECR as you were, but I have talked him up all year. I've said all year he is going to be the wide receiver one on this team in terms of looks, in terms of targets, 13 targets in that game. And listen, Christian Watson's not going to only see four balls every time, but Romeo Dobbs is going to be the chain mover. He's going to be the guy that they're looking for in, you know, in, in play in play out. Watson will be much more the shot guy. Uh, so yeah, I'll take a little bit of a victory lap on Romeo Dobbs as well. Yeah, I hear you on that. All right, so let's turn on the music a little bit. Let's get to a Ray Gamer's question here real fast. He's uh, down by 12 in a standard league. He has Metcalf. The opponent has Darrell Waller. He needs Metcalf to have like seven, <laughs> 70 to 115 yards and a touchdown. You got a good shot with that against the, yeah. the, the Giants defensive secondary, who's, who's piss poor. We know what Metcalf, what you're asking for right there is maybe one or two plays. Uh, so definitely have a shot there. Waller has not been as featured as we would have liked him to be. Uh, I will say Saquon expected to be out again. So if the Giants are to do anything, it's going to have to be based on Daniel Jones's legs and throwing the ball to Darren Waller. Let's see if they get that corrected after they didn't do it against San Francisco Thursday night. Def- definitely a different defense with Seattle. Uh, Ray, I would say that you have probably about mm, a 20 to 25% chance of pulling this off. Chase, what do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, Metcalf hasn't quite averaged that, but we definitely know. I mean, yeah, it, it's not going to shock anybody. We definitely know that 70 to 115 yards is right in his wheelhouse. And like you said, against that horrendous to this point pass defense that they've got. But I Waller Waller might be, I mean, we we know we don't know. He should be, we we all think, everybody in the fantasy world, but we're not the coaching staff. We're not calling the plays, and we don't see these guys day in and day out. According to us, he should be the number one target on that team. Has not been to this point. Um but yeah, I, I definitely would put more faith in the DK Metcalf, Geno Smith connection than I do the Daniel Jones, Darren Waller connection to this point. It does, yeah. Yeah. I I'd say, I mean, you've got a shot, dude. It's worth, it's worth staying up and watching a game. Don't go to sleep before it's over. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. So let's <laughs> talk about our observational notes uh, for that Thursday night game with the green Bay Packers and Detroit lions. So I have my first two. I'm sure you'll have a spiel. So I'll just get through mine and I'll let you have the have the floor there. But um, my first one, obviously talking about Jameer Gibbs. Everybody was freaking out the next day on social media. Oh my God, what do we do with Jameer Gibbs now? The Lions don't want to use him. He's a waste. Do I think he's going to pay back your ADP? No, I don't. This is why I wasn't big on Jameer Gibbs coming into the season. David Montgomery was always going to be a thing, just like Jamal Williams was a thing for Don- DeAndre Swift. And the difference is that maybe you, some people want to make the argument Jameer Gibbs is better than DeAndre Swift. But I know for a fact David Montgomery is a better running back than Jamal Williams. Mm. And it's always going to murky up the waters. Better days are still ahead for Gibbs. He's still really efficient on his touches. He still had five targets in the game. You'll take five targets out of a running back any day of the week in half point, four point PPR leagues. The biggest thing right now is that there's clearly still not a comfortability with him in certain passing down situations in pass pro. If that changes in the second half of the season, and that might, then Jameer Gibbs will see him start to get a little bit of a bigger role, a little bit more of a consistent role, especially in the past game like we want to see. But that's clearly what is the holdup right now. I think that will happen at some point this year. It might be another four weeks before it does. But the second half of the year, Jameer Gibbs will continue to be, I think, an RB2. I think he'll be in the same realm as a James Cook, quite frankly. Uh, so I'm not panicking on Jameer Gibbs whatsoever, but if you thought he was going to give you low-end RB1 potential, I don't think that's in the cards unless David Montgomery misses significant time at some point this season. He is a boom or bust flex player right now, potentially an RB2 later down the road. My other note is that Love's inefficient play may continue to put the Packers in negative game scripts. You need the negative game scripts for the wide receivers to give you the value right now because, because he's playing so inefficiently. If they actually get in pro game scripts, neutral game scripts for most of the games that they're playing in with the way he's playing right now, he's going to kill Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson's value. You actually need him to continue to do this to put themselves in negative game scripts so that we get the value out of it. Because I don't like what I'm seeing out of Jordan Love, but this is where I give the floor to the Packer fan. (laughs) Well, yeah, first off, I'm going to agree with you a little bit on that Detroit Lions take. I I think coming into the year, we all kind of assumed, oh, it's going to look just like it did last year. Montgomery will take the Williams role. Gibbs will take the Swift role. We'll, you know, we'll move on. What people are forgetting is that, you know, Swift for as much as we like to downplay, you know, what he, what he did there, because it's, it felt like it should have been so much more on a per game basis. He actually outscored uh, Jamal Williams last season. Jamal Williams didn't have, was not the running back. As you said, that David Montgomery can be and has shown he is. Uh, And Gibbs has not taken necessarily to that same type of role, uh, as quickly as I think we all kind of assumed he would or wanted him to. Uh, I agree with you. Stay stay the course with, with Jameer Gibbs. You're not going to be able to trade him right now, probably for commensurate value where you drafted him anyway. Um, and I, he's going to return. He's going to return still startable or playable value. So I'm not worried about him. 
on the Packers side of things, yeah, I think that they need to figure something out with that left side of the line. They are obviously not going to see David Bakhtiari this season. I think David Bakhtiari's played his last game in a Packer jersey, which with all the drama that's come along since the Rodgers thing happened, I'm honestly not overly broken up about that. It would be uh, nice to have a player of his caliber play, but we haven't had a player of his caliber actually play a full season in three years now. Uh, they need to figure that out, though. It was readily apparent that they were getting destroyed on that side of the line all game. And Love right now is not, if he's not playing as inefficiently as he is and being as new to this as he is, he is not capable of handling that pressure right now and still and still performing up to the, the standards that they want him to perform up to. So um, I agree. Yeah, they're going to continue to be in some negative game strips. I don't think that this year is all doom and gloom. I think Detroit's clearly the better team. But, uh, you know, if they're going to be in negative game scripts and when they are, like you said, that means they got to keep chucking it when, and if they're not him throwing at 50% means that you're not getting near the production you want out of those two guys, because they're only going to be getting, they're only going to be seeing 50% of the balls their way catchable. So, um, temper your expectations. I think a little bit for Christian Watson. I still like Dobbs as uh, because he's going to be a target relative target monster in this, in this offense. Um, and then watch, I, I said this morning too. watch that tight end situation there. Uh, Luke Musgrave, somebody that we kind of all thought was maybe starting to approach usability because he's a tight end and tight ends who the hell knows what's going on with any of them. Um, he went down, he had that concussion when he went out of the game, it wasn't the other highly touted rookie Tucker craft that took over. It was actually Josiah DeGuara was the one that they actually threw the ball to there, uh, which, should not necessarily excite anybody. Don't be running out to try and grab another Green Bay tight end. Uh, keep an eye on the Luke Musgrave situation, though, health-wise. But they've got to figure something out with that left side of the line or they're going to be a, a hurting unit all season. Yeah, And they I, have I, to give the damn ball to Aaron Jones. Free Aaron Jones. <laughs> yeah, that's something I think is correct heading into next week. You won't be able to snap count. I, I, I agree with you there. Uh, we question Ray trying to figure out what kind of trade he should do here. He's like, sorry, trade Moss and Damian Pierce and, and uh, Christian Kirk, Romeo Dobbs and and Watson. Uh, um, I don't know if that's Sean Watson or, or or Christian Watson. It doesn't really matter. If you could actually get that deal done, Ray, for Eckler and Waddle, yeah. yeah. And then he adds also adding there, if, does, do we throw in Montgomery? If they reject, uh, still, yeah, I would throw in Montgomery if they reject. I would be surprised if you got that deal done. But if right. and he says Christian Watson, if you can get that deal done, whether it's Damon Pierce or David Montgomery, yes, right, I would definitely do that deal. Uh, eventually, we will see Austin Eckler back. I would think actually next week he was getting pretty pretty close to being back uh, this week, but I think he's trying to make sure he's healthy and ready to go uh, before he's back there. All right, let's head into our next match. We get our heroes and zeros for the London game. That was the Atlanta Falcons and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Heroes and zeros. All right, so let's let's talk. Let's let's talk about our uh, zeros here to kick this thing off, and uh, my zero has to be Trevor Lawrence. 22 of 30, 270 yards, a touchdown, 42 yards rushing. The Jaguars, simply put, just didn't have to do too much to win this game, so that's definitely part of this. But as somebody who's been pretty disappointing over the past couple of weeks, and I still ranked inside my top 10, I want to make sure I continue to take the L when he does not perform up to expectations. So that was a little rough. The other one, too, was well, his counterpart is running back. It's Travis Etienne. His, his fantasy performance was disappointing. 
You're going to be fine with this volume, though. 20 carries in this game, 23 total opportunities. You'll take that out of a running back any day of the week, and it will not deter me from ranking him inside the top eight of running backs moving forward. But don't get 55 yards against what is, you know, I guess an above average to average defense there with the Atlanta Falcons. Definitely a disappointing day for him, but you love the volume still nonetheless. Who are your zeros in this game, Chase? Yeah, no, I'm I'm riding that same train with Jan Lawrence there. I had him at number 10 as well. Uh, he came in he came in at the moment around 14, so not a starter. Um the big, you know, the biggest problem there is you, you we feel like you should be doing so much better because Calvin Ridley and, and Christian Kirk look like weapons. Evan Ingram, you know, at, at tight end. But still, like you said, they, they played a, a team today. A, it's a pretty decent pass defense. I mean, Falcons have played pretty well on defense. They've played better than, better than they played offensively. But the other part of thing is, like, they just didn't have to get out there and huck the ball all over the field. Lawrence didn't have to try to run a whole hell of a lot. They just, they just didn't have to even show up to actually walk out of there with a win. I think better days are coming for him. He's got too many weapons on that team. He's too good. I think they get that ship straightened out, so I'm not going to, like, disappear on him. But, yeah, it, it definitely hurts to keep uh, trotting him out there, hoping for top eight-type numbers and getting maybe top 16-type numbers every week. Yeah, no, I agree, but as long as the volume's there, I'm going to be okay with it. All right, let's let's switch, let's switch to our heroes here. Kyle Pitts. That's right, Kyle Pitts the hero. Why? Because he keeps making me look good for ranking him outside the top 12. That's why. Four targets, two catches on 21 yards. Janu Smith is the better t- fantasy tight end right now for the Atlanta mm-hmm. Falcons, not Kyle Stinking Pitts. So as long as he continues to make me look good, I'll keep ranking him outside the top 12 every single week and maybe ranking him as the second tight end on his own team moving forward. Who's your hero in this game? Uh Kind of for along the same reasons there. I, uh, I'm going to put Drake London out there. For one, Drake London actually scored a touchdown this week, which uh, which helped him uh, outdo. Yeah, saved himself, made him at least, pa- you know, you could pass it off in your lineup. But uh, I had him as unplayable. I had him, I had him ranked at 45. He comes in uh, as more like a low-end flex play uh, so far this week. And, and by the time the week's over, I think he'll be even lower flex play. Um, so I'm, I'm going to take a lap on that, but it all goes back to kind of the same thing that you talked about with, with Pitts and that we're going to talk about in our observation notes here. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Before we do, uh, Ray's asking, we trade all three running backs. Yes, right. Right. If you can get Eckler and Waddle with any combination of those players you listed out, just go for it, buddy. When, you, when, you're, the, when, when you're doing a two-for-one, a three-for-one type trade or whatever, you want to be the one getting the one back if at all possible, Correct. because that means you're getting the best dude in the deal. Right. And unless you've got crazy deep lineups where you need multiple players and you need to turn one starter in Eckler into three or four multiple starters to try and give yourself a, a better shot at, at competing, you want to always be on the one end of two for one or three for one trades. Yeah. And the only time I'm doing that is if maybe you're on four Right. Five, and you're just right. like, look, I got to play money ball here. I got to play matchups mm-hmm. to try to get something going. I just need multiple starters because the rest of my lineup sucks. Then I will consider doing that. Ran into a ton of injuries or whatever. Right. And you have to, you literally have to flesh out a lineup. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then yes, that's when I consider doing something like that. But otherwise, if I can get those deals done and get the best player involved, that's what you always want to do. All right. So let's talk about our observational notes. And my first one just ha- Ritter is just, he just, awful like I, I know i sound like a broken record but it's just it, it's mind-boggling to me 
how bad he is. And yet we still haven't really heard Taylor Heineke hype yet from the media. Like they still haven't necessarily been hyping that up in a way that I thought they would. Now I know they were two and one last week, but now they're two and two. And I still didn't really hear it yet this week. He's just putting an entire cap on the ceiling. So other than Bijan, until Taylor Heineke is actually starting for this team, I don't really want to touch anybody else on the Atlanta Falcons right now. Yeah, no, the the, the problem with it is, is he their two best offensive weapons are are well outside of Bijan because I know we we, we talk about Bijan, but you already brought him up. You said he's still touchable. In the pass game, their two best weapons are Drake London and Kyle Pitts, and you should be pushing the ball down the effing field with them. And Desmond Ritter does not appear capable of throwing a ball past about six and a half, seven yards past the line of scrimmage. That's all they're asking him to do continuously, which is why Jonu Smith is the better option right now than Drake London, because Jonu Smith is not necessarily a push the ball down the field. The guy's much more uh, a traditional underneath route type tight end. And Bijan has seen the most targets on the team as 22 at running back because what kind of routes are you typically throwing to your running back? You're throwing it on the flat. You're throwing the underneath routes. You're throwing the check downs. You're throwing the emergency hot route because Desmond Ritter is not quite sure what the hell to do with what's happening in front of him until he either gets things figured out and can show that he can throw the ball farther than I can fall forward. (laughs) That's going to necessarily cap. Unfortunately, the value of the two best guys that we wanted on that team in the past game in, in London and Pitts. I don't know if you saw the play today where he completely underthrew. Mac Hollins was running oh, wide wow. on a freaking post. All he had to do was put air under that thing, let Mac Hollins and his giant hairdo go get it. And it was, it was at least a giant gainer, if not a touchdown. He floated that thing so far underneath him. I, it was a wonder. It was a wonder that Darius Williams didn't pick that thing off. Just ridiculous. So, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, he, he's definitely the cap on this offense. Taylor Heineke, we know, can support fantasy relevant wide receivers because we saw him do it in Washington. Um, you know, I don't know if that's what Atlanta fans want to hear, but it's what fantasy folks are seeing and knowing right now. So yeah, and yeah. you're and look and look, I do think that happens at some point this season. So if you have Drake London and hell, even if you have Kyle Pitts, I'm not necessarily looking to drop those guys just yet because I know that is going to happen at some point this season. Ritter keeps playing the way he is, which is not on NFL caliber. They're going to continue to lose games. A switch will be made sooner rather than later. All right, let's talk about our next game for Heroes and Zeros. Heroes and Zeros. The Miami Dolphins came back down to earth against the Buffalo Bills. Let's uh, let's talk about these zeros here real quick. Get that music up. Oh, yes. All right. So Tyreek Hill, he won't be on this list very often, but he has been <laughs> zero. Uh, he is a wide receiver, two for me. Overall, five targets, three catches, 58 yards. That was it. Meanwhile, I'll just throw Jalen Waddle on this list. Comes back in this game. You drafted Jalen Waddle to be a high-end wide receiver, two, low-end wide receiver, one. And yet he really has not had a breakout game to this point. Five targets, four catches, 48 yards. In this game, everything was just bottled up. I'll talk about why the observational notes later. But Chase, who are your zeros for this game? Uh, my my biggest zero for the game. I mean, obviously I was there with you on the on the wide receivers. I think everybody in the freaking industry was. Yeah, but I'll, I'll throw two out there for kind of those same reasons. I had him at number five. Uh, he ended up so far, I believe, as a quarterback 17 on the day. That is not what you were hoping for from him. That's not what you've been getting out of him. That's not what you think you're going to be getting from an offense that scored 70 points a week ago. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll throw to his name out there. He just 
did not return anything that you were hoping for. Yeah, and I'll I'll, add a, I'll take it a step further. Unless we see something different, right now we have to look at Tua as matchup dependent because right. so far through the four games of this season, he's only gone off and the match has been very favorable to him, not the other way around. So, And honestly, where you drafted him, you drafted him. You didn't sure. necessarily draft him as that elite high-end option. You drafted right. him for his upside, and we've seen that his upside is absolutely amazing and MVP caliber when it's there, but it depends on the matchup, and he faced a good defense today, and they kind of took it to him. Yeah, just when you see those when you see those feast matchups that he has, and he goes off the way that he does, I think your expectations start to get elevated as we go through. He actually faced pressure today, which he has not seen in the first right. three weeks, and well, that Toronto, might be Toronto one of the big keys down. to watch for the for the matchups going forward. Yeah, Toronto arms that went down too. That's something that's going to be watched that's for not pressure for two attack level. That's huge. Okay, let's let's uh, let's let's switch the gears here and let's go to our heroes on the day. My heroes. Stephon Diggs, baby, always ranking in the top six. We want to mention him here. Seven targets, six catches, 120 yards, and three, count them, three touchdowns. Unstoppable. Unstoppable. Josh Allen, who was my number one quarterback on the week. That's right. Number one, pays it off. 21 to 25, 320 yards, four touchdowns through the air. Absolutely sensational in this game. And after a bumpy start week one, the Buffalo Bills offense looks like it's the Buffalo Bills offense and ready to tear it up. Who's your heroes in this game? I just first I just I want to have a moment of silence for, for that dude that was oh, trying to play against Stefan Diggs all day because holy <laughs> criminies. That kid Kohu or whatever his name, he got absolutely lit right up. That that yeah. one that Diggs took down the sideline and broke about seven tackles spinning around and nobody could touch him. Um, just phenomenal. But no, my hero on today, I'm going to, I'm going to take a lap on, on James Cook. I've stuck with him. I had him ranked at nine. Now he came in at 13, but he still came in pretty damn startable. Um, I, I was very, I was very pleased with what I saw. I'm encouraged by what I've seen. I'm not ready to bail on him. I didn't draft him to be a running back one. And if he's going to give me, you know, borderline RB1 type production, even occasionally, I'll take that out of my RB2 or my, my flex play that I drafted him as. So I'll take a, I'll take a lap on him. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll turn on the tunes real quick. Just, just getting the observation notes because I do have uh, – I do want to talk about him a little bit. So he finally received a red zone opportunity, and he was able to convert on the one yard. So that that's big. But I do want to ca- I do want to have some caution here because he still only played four more snaps mm-hmm. than Latavius Murray in this game. Damian Harris still had double digit snaps in this game. Other guys are still getting work. Now, if James Cook can prove that when he's given those red zone and other opportunities like that, he can produce, then that could bode well for the rest of the season, of course. But I don't want you guys to get too caught up in it just because there's still a bit of rotation going on here in that Buffalo backfield. Enough to so if he doesn't score a touchdown today, he would actually would have had a terrible fantasy day. No, yeah, no, he, yeah, he's not, he's going to be mercurial because of the way yeah. that they, the way that they use him. Like you said, they've got other guys in the backfield. I, for one, thought that Damian Harris would have a bigger role than he's had to this point. Latavius Murray has been the one who's had the biggest, the bigger role right. of the two. But either way, you are still getting those touches that have been taken away from James Cook. It still appears that James Cook is very much a 20 to 20 guy, not necessarily, even though, like you said, he got, he converted his red zone opportunity today, but he converted it because they didn't have a decent camera angle on it. Otherwise, he, his ass was down before <laughs> the, he crossed the line, and it would have been another Josh Allen rush. <laughs> we'll give him the benefit of the doubt just, yeah. just for now. Um, my other note for this game, actually, though, so the Bills. I think they might have just given a blueprint to the rest of the league on how to contain Miami's defense offense. Now, 
not everybody has the Bills defense. So that's a big key here, of course. But what they would do is they would move the safeties up and down, kind of move them all around. But ultimately, as soon as the play was snapped, they might be showing an up-close-in-the-box look, but they were bailing out and keeping everything in front of them. Uh, even was the other way around. They have the safeties back. They would have them come up a little bit, but everything was still staying right in front of them. All they did pretty much was say, we're going to take the big play away. We're going to make you have to go on drives. And they contained Miami's offense pretty much the entire day just doing that. And, of course, when Teron Armstead went out, there wasn't really a ton of running room unless you're Devon Achon. Um, but that was that's kind of like also, also all of my other part of this observational note, too, is he only had eight carries. I know I went for 100 yards and I went for two touchdowns, but Raheem Mostert's the other side of that coin. Seven carries, nine yards. That was it. This is my problem with the Dolphins' back. That's why I told you to sell high on Raheem Mostert last week because now you're not going to be able to, and Jeff Wilson's one week closer from coming back. It's also why I have reservations about Devon Achon being able to do his thing all year and why I would still consider him a sell guy for, for myself. He looks great. He's fantastic. He's fast. He'll make the big play happen. I would love to have him in any best ball league, and I do have him in several best ball leagues. But there's going to be too many games where he gets eight carries instead of 100 yards and two touchdowns. It's eight carries and nine exactly. yards like Raheem Mostert got. So if you can sell high on Devon Chain for somebody who has much more volume, much more higher probability of being consistent week in and week out, that's something I would want to do because Jeff Wilson is going to come. He is going to get touches in this game. Even if he's third in this list, he's still going to get – He's still going to get touches. It's just going to make this whole thing even more murkier, in my opinion. What were your notes for this game? No, Wilson getting any touches at all still takes away from these other two guys. And here's the thing. If we are dead honest with ourselves, we saw it last week. Everything Devon Achane did today, whatever, Raheem Mostert is capable of. He's still one of the fastest, if not the fastest running back in the league. It just so happened that today was Achane's day. And uh, last week, Mostert had a day. Achain is not going to, he's not going to average 12.6 yards of carry every freaking week. Raheem Mostert is not going to average 1.3 yards of carry every week. Mostert's too good. And the rest of the NFL is too good for Achain to continue to be like that. So the problem with it is, is you're never going to know which week one of these guys or both or whenever is going to go off and who's not. So like you said, you might want to spare yourself the headache, capitalize, especially on the Achain, you know, name value, even though no one knows how to say his name. A-chan or uh, yeah, whatever he's trying to call himself. A-chan, A-chan, uh, whatever. Uh, but yeah, capitalize on that recognition right now. He's had two lightning games back to back. You might be able to get somebody to snag something for that. You might be able to get him, use him as the carrot to go out and get somebody that people are down on like an Eckler right now. You're not going to have Eckler for two more weeks because or they're Taylor. on Pfizer in week five or a Taylor who's coming back and is probably going to still be on that Colts team. And that Colts team might be a little better than we, than we assumed they would be uh, at any rate. It's still Jonathan Taylor, but you might be able to use Achan as the carrot on a stick to get one of those type of guys. And if you can do that, you're going to have a lot less headache running Austin Eckler out there every week than trying to decipher whether it's Devon's or Raheem's week, week in and week out. Yeah, 100%. Just to backtrack a little bit, Jalen Waddle is still a buy low candidate for me right here because he's going to break out. He's too good not to. They're going to get him going. And I just want to make sure if you guys have the opportunity because Waddle hasn't had that big game yet. Some people will be ready to move on from him. He's somebody I definitely am targeting. As he's a he's still a part of a dynamic pass offense. No matter 100%. what, yeah, whatever happened today, there's still a dynamic pass offense and he is still way too good a weapon not to, not to use. 100%. All right, let's get our heroes and zeros. Heroes and zeros. Zero.
We got the Denver Broncos and the Chicago Bears. And what a game of two halves this one. The Bears in full control in the first half. Justin Fields looked incredible. We're going to get into all of it here in just a second. But first, let's just tee this off here with our zeros. Get it kicked off correctly. Okay, so I actually, believe it or not, Chase, I didn't have any zeros in this game. Most of the people you wanted to play performed the way you wanted to. If, if they didn't quite perform up the expectations, they weren't terrible in this game. It was weird. It was one of the few times I didn't really have a zero in this game. The only thing you could say was that you got upset that Javante Williams got hurt so early yeah. in the game. And it, it's unfair to call him a zero when he got right. hurt early in the game and had to come out like that. Um, I'm going to give an honorary zero, zero to Jaleel McLaughlin. I wish we could just get rid of that dude. I'm sure he's a nice guy and his mother loves him. But talk about like that helps absolutely effing nobody dude he's done it continuously all year he's been the absolute bane of anybody's existence that thought they were getting value in the denver running backs because he keeps coming on the field and stealing everybody else's thunder he's been the johnny smith to to their kyle pitts it, it yeah i'm tired of these guys stealing all this all the glory so i'm gonna give an honorary zero to jaleel mclaughlin even though he actually kind of played a decent game well, look, before we get to the heroes, I had actually had that as an observational note, so I'll just talk about it now. Oh, go ahead. Um, go ahead. Yeah, so Javante, well, first of all, Javante Williams, it did come out that he's had got a hip flexor, which means he may not even miss a week. So that, that's the good yeah. news there. If he does, it's only going to probably be for one week. So good news overall on Javante Williams. We'll have to watch his, his status as we go. But with, with Jaleel McLaughlin, okay, out-touched Samaja Perrine from the time Javante Williams was out for the rest of the game. Outsnapped him and outtouched him from that point on. So there's a real argument here that McLaughlin, who will probably be on my waiver wire list, won't be particularly high up there because, again, Javante's not expected to miss much time. But you can make the argument now that maybe he's actually the number two over Samaja Perrine because he has that extra speed burst. They turned to him to make plays, and Samaja Perrine just wasn't really doing much while he was out there on the field and really hasn't done much while he's been out there on the field. So I think we might actually have an argument here. He might be the handcuff now to Javante Williams, not Samaja Perry. What do you think about that? Yeah, five foot seven penguin from Youngstown I, State, undrafted. But I don't oh, dang it, you might be right. You might be right. I mean, hey, the, the, the usage don't. shows the usage and the results so far have shown. I mean, they're gonna use the kid. They obviously they actually they obviously see something they like in him, and they're gonna continue to use him, I would think. Um, yeah, they signed P Ryan to be, you know, ostensibly the number two or the one one B or however you want to determine it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously McLaughlin has shown, too, through the first month of the season that he actually can play this game. And so, I, I mean, I don't mean to belittle him necessarily, calling him a 5'7 penguin from Youngstown State, because that's just <laughs> how it is. He doesn't matter if he's 5'7 or 6'7. The kid he can play some football, he's and he's done it so far. He's fast. He's been proven it. All right, let's get back to our heroes here. We'll get back to our other observational note. Oh, yeah, DJ Moore, baby. This is one I was aggressively higher than the ECR coming into this game. The Denver Broncos defense uh, sucks. And it doesn't matter about Patrick Sertan because they're not having him follow everyone all over the field. And you're getting a lot of mismatches with your number one receiver on other guys. And nobody else besides Sertan, apparently, on the secondary can cover their shadow. So he goes off for eight catches, 131 yards, and a touchdown. And Justin Fields looks incredible. Kept projecting him in my top 10. Came through this week, 28 of 35, 335 yards, and four touchdowns. Again, leave it to the Denver defense to make the Chicago offense look really good 
for at least a half of football. But it was a really good half of football. So those might be the heroes for this game. What were yours, Chase? Uh, I don't know. I guess the closest thing that I actually have to a hero in this game is Cortland Sutton. I had him at uh, 33 right now. He's at wide receiver 32. Uh, I had him a little bit ahead of ECR there, uh, taking him at putting him to 33. Uh, he, you know, he did have a halfway decent game today. He actually just missed out on another touchdown in the red zone as well. Um, so Cortland Sutton may be starting to show incremental fractional, you know, uh, ability of what we were hoping and thinking we might see of him several years ago. It might be there. So I'll, I'll take Cortland Sutton as a hero, but not a, not a superhero, just a, a sidekick. Yeah, well, no, you got to your touchdown. You got you got to doing what we wanted to do. Uh, my other observational note for this game was uh, Roshan Johnson had been closing the gap between him and Khalil Herbert. It looked like it was starting to go his direction. And then they did the same thing they usually do. They had Khalil Herbert start the game, play a couple series. Then Roshan came in and then Herbert just got hot. And then once he yeah. got hot, we didn't see Roshan again after that. So now we have to go into next week with, okay, Herbert still a low end flex play. Still going to be inside the top 36. I'm still going to have Roshan. Sean Johnson inside my top 40. I don't think this necessarily means that Herbert is going to be running away with the job next week. No. What it does mean is that he's going to continue to get first crack at it heading into next week where we thought maybe Roshan was going to be taking over sooner rather than later. So that's what it does do. So that was definitely a big note for me in this game. What, what else did you have? Yeah, no, you've got the Miami Dolphins backfield problems on a much, much worse team. <laughs> yeah, that's that actually, that's, that's, you know what? Head, headache. If you can get out from under that headache, do so. In fact, I'm... Honestly, both sides of the coin on this on this game. I think both of these teams, their offenses are going to continue to be headaches all year, inconsistent, yeah. mercurial. If you can get out from from underneath anybody that any of the assets you might have on either one of these teams, I think it's honestly worth it. I mean, Cole Komet hadn't done anything really all season, and then today he just out, absolutely yeah. explodes uh, and looked like you know, an, an NFL football player. Um, and, you know, we've, we've talked about the unpredictability of the wide receivers on the Broncos. Um, Clay, Chase Claypool, speaking of unpredictability, was asked <laughs> to stay home, apparently, by the by the Bears today. Well, they, uh, it's they, never they, a good they thing. They gave him the choice, and he chose to stay home. Right, yeah, I, I right, really yeah. Care. It doesn't matter. They want to yeah. trade him, yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah, either yeah. way, if you can get out from from underneath the headache of either one of these offenses, I would I would suggest you do it. Here's what I would say: There's three players that I'd be willing to hold here: DJ Moore, Justin Fields, and Javante Williams. I still think those three players are people you're going to want to have as assets down the stretch, especially with their schedules. But also, those are three guys that set up to be able to get this thing rolling in the right direction. We saw it with Fields and DJ Moore. I think you're going to see it with Javante. He already had. You start off the game like three catches right off the bat. Yeah. As long as he's able to stay healthy and, and get that ball rolling, I think Javante can be on the right path. But I'm with you. Everybody else that you can sell, do it. Do it. Absolutely do it. All right. So let's go to our next game. Heroes and zeros. Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. We kind of got kind of got screwed a little bit in this game. Oh, <laughs> Deshaun Watson's yeah. really not being able to play. But let's talk about our, our zeros here first. Oh, Amari Cooper. There was no way you were not going to play Amari Cooper, regardless of who the quarterback was. But ugh, one catch, 16 yards. Just Dorian Thompson. I'm like, I wasn't a fan of his. People are like, you know, oh, Dorian Thompson, he's all cute in the preseason. Yeah, that, he's just that. He's just, he's just cute in the preseason. Uh, my other zero, because I lost you, Chase, had to be Gus Edwards. <laughs> Again, he had the carries that I was looking for. I, was, I thought he was going to get 15 carries. 
And being a guy who averages about five plus yards per carry, I felt pretty good about Gus Edwards being a top 30 play this week, being a flex play. Only wound up getting 48 yards because Lamar Jackson had the two rushing touchdowns. But he did play well ahead of Justice Hill, well ahead of Melvin Gordon. So to be honest with you, I don't think I'm not going to be ranking him around that 30, 31, 32 spot the rest of the way right now anyway. But this week, yeah, no, it didn't work out. Who are your zeros for this game? Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, the, the zero is the idea that we were hoping we'd get Deshaun Watson to play, and, and he didn't play. Um that's all I'll say about that till we get to our observational notes. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, just unfortunately, anything you were hoping for out of the Cleveland offense today, you didn't really get. Um, I'm, I'll take Gus Edwards as one of my heroes because I was on the opposite end of that argument with you. Um, uh, so um, there you have that. Yeah, okay. So yeah, Gus Edwards, one of your heroes. That's fine. Uh, mine was Mark Andrews finally coming through with a big tight end performance. I consistently ranked him as a top three tight end. I was coming off of that. ECR had him top five, top six, or I was a little bit ahead. Five targets, five catches, 80 yards, two touchdowns. And Lamar Jackson, a big shout out to him. 15 of 19, 186 yards, two touchdowns, 27 yards on the ground with two rushing touchdowns. That's the key for me. If Jackson is going to start rushing touchdowns in, he does have the chance to compete for the QB1 spot overall. Remember, this is a guy who's never had more than seven rushing touchdowns in any given season. He's got four now over the past couple of weeks. If he keeps that up, Lamar might be even better than the 2019 Lamar version that you got. So keep your eyes out on that. Lamar Jackson really going in overtime for you. Who are your heroes yeah. in the game besides Gus Edwards? And well, and the thing about yeah, the thing about Jackson too is that he, I mean, he didn't have to pass this game. He was very efficient in his passing in this Correct. game and had a great game that way. And in that's games where they have to pass more, if he can continue that kind of production, plus like you just said, actually run like we know he can run. He just hasn't been allowed to or able to, you know, lately. Um, hey, sky's going to be the limit for him. So I'll take Gus Edwards as a hero, like I said. Uh, my other hero, I was almost dead-ass on on Jerome Ford. I had him as a low-end uh, RB2, high-end flex play. I had him at 23 or so far today. He's out in at 22. Uh, I'll, I'll take that as a win as well. I mean, there was a lot of excitement, including myself, and I think depending on the matchup and when he has a better matchup against the better against worse defenses and he's got his quarterback playing, I think he's capable of more in this run game, uh, but not with Dorian Thompson-Robinson taking snaps. Yeah, he could be an honorary zero for me. I, I'm, I'm aggressively putting Jerome forward in that top 12 spot. He's still getting all the usage I want him to get. He's still yeah. the main pass catcher. He's still the main runner. Uh, yes, Pierre Strong, Cream Hunt mix in a little bit here and there, but they're still spelling him. They're not actually mixing in a significant right. way. Um, but again, probably should I put him, push him down a few more spots when Watson wasn't going to play? Yeah, I was kind of banking on the idea that they would just lean on Jerome forward in this game. Right. What I didn't take enough in consideration, I should have, and I probably will moving forward, is that without Deshaun Watson, There's the no Browns threat. barely had the ball on offense ever. Yeah. Like, so like they never have the ball, they never convert third downs, and therefore it just leads to a, a desolate situation. Um, so that was actually one of my observational notes is that without Watson, the offense just can't stay on the field. Uh, the other one was that Justice Hill still played behind Melvin Gordon. Now, whether it's just a reflection of him coming back from the turf toe injury or not, that's something to watch because if 
Justice Hill is now behind Melvin Gordon, and again, we don't really know that yet. We'll have to keep our eye on that. But if he is, then I think this actually becomes more Gus, Gus Edwards' backfield moving forward, and therefore he gets to dominate more touches than we would expect week in and week out. So again, that goes back to my process over results as far as Gus Edwards is concerned in this situation. But something I am going to be keeping my eye on heading the next week is it Melvin Gordon or Justice Hill? Because Justice Hill could come back, work his way back in, be a significant pain in the butt to Gus Edwards, or if he's behind Melvin Gordon now for whatever reason, uh, I just think that means Gus Edwards gets to be the lead back in the Ravens, something we haven't really seen him be able to do yet since J.K. Dobbins came onto this team. So, and just- yeah, and remember when Gus Edwards, you know, did, wasn't a pass catcher or anything, he saw three targets today, which is not through the not roof. Useful. Yeah, not through the roof, but uh, Justice Hill didn't see one today. No, not and at so, all. Yeah, and then Mel- Melvin Gordon did. He actually ran a nice little route down the sideline, had a nice gain, a big uh, twenty-three yard gain, I think, on it. But uh, yeah, if if things get more muddied behind Gus, I think that's better for the bus. Muddy behind him means clear sailing ahead of him. So that's that's I like that. That's did, nice nice job by you. Um, do you have any other notes for this game? Uh, no, I mean, yeah, the, the Watson thing, listen, for all the ragging we, everybody wanted to do on the fact that Deshaun Watson is not MVP caliber Deshaun Watson from four years ago. I have said before, I said it last week. I saw saying, I'll probably say it every damn week this season. 85% of what Deshaun Watson was is still like on hundred percent, the best, best quarterback that they've had in Cleveland. <laughs> and yeah, that offense was absolutely a shell of an NFL uh, you know, operation today without Deshaun Watson on the field. He has looked a little bit better as, as he's gone on, as he's gotten more into things. I mean, keep in mind, he spent two years off the field and we're judging him after about a six game, seven game run now or whatever, uh, coming back from that. This offense is much better with Deshaun Watson on the field. I don't know if they're a quarter billion dollars, you know, guaranteed better, but they are much better with him on the field. Yeah, 100%. It just stunk not to be able to see him play against the Ravens. Right. It's like, was it was it, ten, was it Tennessee why he looked better last week? Or or, or was it, you know, just, or, or is right. he actually getting better, uh, basically? So that was that was, that was was what stunk about not being able to see him play. But they do go on a bye week next week, yep. and they take on San Francisco the week after that. So that will be... There'll be some answers on that game. That, that, would, be, that would be a huge test there. All right, so let's get into our next matchup. Heroes and zeros. I don't think the Bengals realized there was a game here. So he's uh, <laughs> right. If you can imagine, my zeros start off with the Cincinnati Bengals here. Joe Burrow, 20 of 30, only 165 yards against the Tennessee Titans in this game. Uh, absolutely brutal. Ranked him inside the top 10. Thank you for sure. Like, oh, against Tennessee, I'm definitely going to keep playing Burrow. It was rough. The offensive line was rough. He still looks like he's just not quite ready. I thought they just the ball of his hands, get to the playmakers. They weren't even able to do that. This is something that we now have to watch where Burrow, I don't know if he can be a must start right now until he shows he's actually fully healthy again. So that's something to watch. My other zero was because I was wrong. <laughs> Derrick Henry, 22 carries, 122 yards, a touchdown. I had ranked him at RB15. Peter Skaronski wasn't playing again this this week. I thought, one, Cincinnati's offense would control the ball a little bit more. But two, I thought Cincinnati's defense would beat up that really bad, probably worst offensive line in the NFL the Tennessee Titans have. And you know what? Derrick Henry found a way. So hats off to you. I was wrong on him. What were your zeros to this game? Long live the king, baby. Uh, my zero in this one tied in with the Joe Burrow one. It was Jamar Chase. I had him in number four. He was taken as a consensus top three type pick, taken number one overall in a lot of leagues. Uh, a lot of people thought that he might challenge Justin Jefferson for that top overall wide receiver slot this season. And 
thanks to their overall offensive you know struggles he just has not returned that so far i had him at number four he's coming in at number as much more of a flex play this week um you know i was hoping maybe he'd be good enough as a player to kind of be matchup proof or or you know, quarterback proof like we've seen from some other guys um it has not been the case with that entire offense they have looked absolutely horrific so far i agree with you on the on the joe burrow thing too um you gotta if you depending on what else is is on your roster or out there in your league you may have to think about some things for a while with him until until and unless he can get right yeah no no 100 there all right so let's switch gears and head into our heroes for this game and i have zero heroes, <laughs> I, have zero heroes. <laughs> I didn't have any heroes in this one did, did you have a hero probably derrick henry for you, uh, right? uh, yeah yeah i'll take my victory lap again on derrick henry i i had him at number five and he, he definitely has come in as a top 10 type play this week uh through a freaking touchdown, uh, which we've seen him pop out that yeah. out a couple times in his career. That's not out of the blue, but it definitely surprised the hell out of the Bengals. They were not expecting any of that today. Plus, he just he he continues to look like vintage Derrick Henry. Doesn't matter how bad the offensive line's playing. Doesn't matter how good or bad the opponent is. Um, his touchdown run today was absolute bruiser. I mean, just. Vintage. It was quintessential Henry. Yeah. yeah, he ran dudes over for a while, and then he got in the open field, and nobody could catch him. Yeah, so I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know how how we got a Ferrari in a pickup truck body like we did. Like he comes along once in a generation, maybe, but we sure got it in him, and he's looking good so far in terms of. I, I've been down on Derrick Henry past couple of years. Um, I'm not down on him right now. I'm all I'm all in on a King Henry train, but. And it's just the the question I'm going to have is can, can Tennessee find a way to stay consistent? In fact, that's actually one of my notes I have in here is that. Can Tannehill stay consistent? Because that's the key. The two games that Tannehill has managed to look competent, the Tennessee Titans offense has been just fine, regardless of what the offensive line health is and anything else going on. But then he has those games that we've seen so far this year and two other games where he's absolutely downright terrible. looks like he needs to retire immediately, and the entire Tennessee offense goes to hell in a handbasket. And he did it without Traylon Burks today. Right. So it's... so it's not his weapon. Rhyme or reason for it because it's not necessarily matchup. This was not an easy matchup. This was on the road. So it's not a home road split thing. It's just so far has been one game terrible, one game good, one game terrible, one game good again. And I think now it's like okay, well now it's boiling down to his Ryan Tannehill play today. That that's done now. Now it's affecting Derrick Henry and anybody else that might actually be you know fantasy worthy. So that's one of my notes here. The other one. The offensive line of Cincinnati has been incredibly disappointing. We could talk all we want about Joe Burrow not looking healthy. That offensive line of Cincinnati and why I was so big on guys like Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Joe Mixon this year and Joe Burrow himself as well. A big part of it is that the offensive line was actually supposed to be one of the top offensive lines in the NFL this year, and they're not playing like it. They have spent a ton of resources. They have put a ton of time into trying to remake that line ever since it was quite literally the reason that they lost the Super Bowl two years ago. That's all they have done is try to retool that offensive line. And it seems like it just nothing they try seems to have worked. Uh, It's really frustrating because we know that when everybody's healthy, they have a good complement of weapons around Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is one of the top quarterbacks in the league when he's healthy and when he's right. Uh, One note that they did, T Higgins did go down with an injury today and that is something to kind of keep an eye on. Hopefully, uh, you know, he'll be okay. But uh, yeah, that something is wrong there in Cincinnati, top to bottom, and they need to get that figured out because they are not a good team right now, and they are not a team that that looks like they will challenge for a, for a a, a playoff spot. 
they look they look like the third, maybe even the fourth best team total overall. I will not put below the Steelers. I will not put them below the Steelers. <laughs> I, I, I offensively, <laughs> may, no, because I'm not a big Kenny Pickett fan. <laughs> but I mean, they're not far off right now, as things stand right now. If you're if you're putting together a power ranking, putting together a power ranking right now, they're right on the same damn level. Yeah, well, we'll talk about it eventually. Let's get to our next game, the Heroes and Zeros. Heroes and Zeros. Another game of two halves. We have the Rams and the Indianapolis Colts in this one. So let's just talk about our Zeros first. Uh, Michael Pittman. This killed me personally, guys. I have Michael Pittman in a couple of leagues. I've been riding him as like my flex. Like you just hold down the fort, baby, because they're getting you the ball every single week. And then this week comes in. They're down by a bunch of scores. It's It should be a good matchup on paper. And he walks away with just five targets for a catch and 15 yards. And Pittman's somebody I've been moving up my ranks every single week. This week actually had him inside my top 20, and it burned the hell out of me. Uh, that was awful. The other guy was 2-2 Atwell. Uh, he didn't have the volume we are looking for, nine targets. But he thought in this matchup against a Colts secondary is being burned on the outside. Only turned that into five receptions for 24 yards. And now... He faces the prospect of Cooper Cup coming back next week, who's going to take away the volume from both him and Puka. And I think Puka will survive. I don't know if Tutu does. So what Tutu's value is moving forward, that that's a heavy question mark with a wide range of outcomes for me. So those two are my zeros. What were yours? Uh, Matt Gay, <laughs> the kicker there. Yeah, that hurt me personally too, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, that that's that's rough. A guy that I mean it's kickers and we, we don't necessarily drill down into details too hard on kickers, but a guy that they signed to uh the highest you know kicker contract in history, you expect to be uh pretty consistent and, and a guy that should score a lot more points than, than what he does. And yeah, missed his missed his field goal today and, and has not been overly uh has not been overly consistent for them so far. So actually Brett the kicker on the other side of things too, Mar was a he was all over the damn field too. Nobody could he tell when he when or when he was or wasn't gonna make one. But uh, yeah, I mean, if I gotta pick a absolute zero because I was on the same train as you, I had Pittman at seventeen this week, and that didn't pan out. But uh, yeah, otherwise, yeah, I'll I'll go with Mackey on that. Here we go. We got a question from George. Who should I drop from these players? Tyler Algier, Dalvin Cook, Jalen War, Kareem Hunt, or Jacks with a jig? But my immediate thought is Kareem Hunt. He serves no purpose in my mind. He's going to yeah. buy next week and everything. Yeah. Yep. Because he's on buy. Otherwise, I, yeah, I'd be I'd be tempted to go Delvin Cook, but I think some of that's my personal bias against him uh, being <laughs> being a a lifelong uh, Viking up to this point and be just absolutely checking out once uh, once Aaron Rodgers limped off the field. So, but Z yeah, I, I'll agree with you, Kareem. Yeah. Z, Z Money's trying to figure out he's at a 154. The opponent is at 132. The guy has DK left. Is he safe? No, because against the Giants, a 22-pointer yep. is, is definitely within DK Metcalf's. Now, you're in favor to win, I would say, about... Eh. That's about 64%, I think, when Not it comes safe, down. To it. Nope. But are you safe? No, you're going to have to stay up and watch that game and sweat it out a little bit, unfortunately, Z Money. Uh, Flex Lord Sheena, would you trade away Ridley and Zach Moss for Swift and Thielen? Need running back help badly. My backs are Brees, Najee, Pacheco, Ford, and Moss, and then Puka, Ridley Cup, Judy, Marquise Brown, and Tutu are his wide receivers. Uh, 
Mm, yes, I would. Do, well, I, look, I would definitely do that because Zach Moss might not even be a fantasy asset starting next week, potentially. So, yes, right. I would definitely do that for that reason, if nothing else. Nope, I agree. OK. All right. So let's get into where we at. Oh, right, let's get into our, our heroes for this game. Getting back to the Rams and the Colts here. And uh, my hero for this game, of course, was Puka Nakua. Still ranked him as a top 12 wide receiver. He came through 10 targets, nine receptions, 163 yards and a touchdown. And I'm sure Chris will love this. I'll make sure I bring it up on the Wednesday show. (laughs) Kyron Williams is an RB1 for a reason because he gets all of the touches you need a fantasy running back to get. He gets the carries. He gets the goal line looks. He gets the passing targets. And everybody else behind him sucks. Ronnie Rivers even got more involved today. And it did not matter. It did not stop Kyron Williams from getting 28 total opportunities, 103 yards, and two touchdowns this game here. Kyron, I don't care what you think about. I don't think he's a stud, but the Rams running back one when it's just one guy is a valuable fantasy asset, a top 12 running back. And that's what Kyron Williams is right now. So those are my heroes. Who are yours? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to throw Anthony Richardson out there. He did not have a great game in terms of his efficiency. He was only 11 out of 25, but kept them in it, took them to overtime uh, against the Rams there and uh, did pass for a couple of scores, ran for another one, 56 yards rushing again, that's why we drafted. That's why we wanted Anthony Richardson in the first place was that 56 yard rushing ability and that, and that rushing touchdown to go along with whatever he could get you passing the ball. He stuck himself to 200 yards today and, uh, and through a couple of scores gave himself a, you know, a pretty nice day overall uh, in the quarterback rankings. I had him as a top 10 play. I am at seven. He actually right now is number two on the day. So, I mean, I'm, I'll take that all day long. And uh, Anthony Richardson's a hero in my book today. Yeah, 100%. Uh, as far as my observational notes, again, the, kind of just talk about the trade. That question just came up. Uh, Zach Moss could be rendered useless and be nothing more than a handcuff. Or he could still be the starter next week. We really don't know yet, but Jonathan Taylor could be back next week, and we know he's healthy enough to play, and he probably needs to play in order to get his free agency eligibility. So whether it was the Colts or somebody else, I expect Jonathan Taylor to be out there, just so keep that in mind. Stafford did hurt his hip in this game, but he was able to play through it. So I suspect he'll be okay heading into next week, but something we'll have to keep our eye on. What was your notes for this game? Uh, yeah, Taylor's Taylor's practice window opened up. They yeah they they're going to start putting him out there immediately in terms of participating with the team. This doesn't look like the immediate divorce that we all thought it did. It looked like a month ago, two months ago. Um, I still think it's actually probably more likely than not that he stays on this team um, rather than. I mean, obviously, I, we said a couple of weeks ago it was more likely that Acres moved on. Well, hey, Acres moved on. Um, I think in this case it might be more likely that we see Jonathan Taylor stick around it. If he does, he is clearly the better player than Zach Moss. I don't think that, I don't think, I'll caveat that, uh, I don't think that they're that they're that petty in Indianapolis, at least, uh, you know, in the coaching staff, I don't think that they're that petty. The coaching staff, maybe not. But to, that, yeah, the the owner might be a different story, but I don't think the coaching staff is petty enough to, uh, you know, keep him off the field when he's clearly their best offensive player. Uh, simply out of spite because, you know, Jim Mercy's a kind of a kook job. So, yeah, 100%. Yeah, keep that going. Uh, let's get into our next game here for our Heroes and Zeros. Heroes and Zeros. All right, so our zero for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the New Orleans Saints. At least mine, that'd be Chris Olave. Six targets, one reception, four yards. 
for a guy that's supposed to be a low end wide receiver one. That sucks. He was my zero. Who is yours, Chase? Oh, he's got so much more potential than that. It's such a shame. I was right there with you on him, but I'll, I'm going to go with Chris Godwin. Uh, I had Chris Godwin. Um, yeah, yeah, because I was wrong on him, Chris right, Godwin. Right. I, yeah, I had him ranked as, as a flex player. So uh, he ended up having an, actually a pretty nice day today. Uh, tenth in, you know, tenth in actually wide receiver points, uh, you know, coming into to the show tonight here. And uh, hey, you know, if he's if he's going to continue to see eleven targets and catch eight of them, uh, you know, I, we've been kind of saying for the last couple of weeks now, Baker Mayfield isn't killing the fantasy value of these guys. Now the, the one caveat to the Godwin play today is that Mike Evans was hurt and left the game early. So he wasn't around. He's obviously, uh, you know, Baker's favorite in that offense, but Chris Godwin showed that he's, he's not dead yet. He had 114. He didn't score the day. He didn't score a touchdown today and he still got you almost 20 points. Today. So, I mean, Chris Godwin is a, is a zero because I missed out and not because he played like one today. Yeah, I wouldn't be too hard on yourself about that one. I missed out on two, but we didn't expect uh, Evans to get a hamstring injury early in this game. And it wasn't no. until then that Chris Godwin started dominating this game. Uh, so what we can know now, and I had this as an observational note, actually, which is why I turned the music down, uh, that, yes, moving forward until Evans is back and healthy, and we know hamstring injuries can be tricky, especially in his case because he gets them a lot, uh, that Godwin can be – can move up and he can be a playable asset and be a high end wide receiver three, maybe even a low end wide receiver two in the absence of a Mike Evans. Cause he will be the go-to target. So that's the good news on him. If you got him, but when Evans comes back, I think Godwin goes back to being somebody that maybe you have as a low end wide receiver four, and you're debating whether or not you even want to plug him in your starting lineup based on what we've seen. All right. So let's, let's, let's switch gears. Let's go to our heroes for this game. Alvin Kamara, it wasn't a crazy stat line, but he walked right into a big bell cow workload. 11 carries, 51 yards, 14 targets, 13 receptions. Only for 33 <laughs> yards. But, Did but you see that that's a, that's a historic line? That is the fewest yards anybody with that many catches has ever had in NFL history, but which is more of an anomaly. PPR leagues, you don't care because you racked the point, yeah. world. Yeah. So that, that's where like he had to be a hero for that. It was his first game back on suspension, and he had a hell of a workload. Who was your hero in this game? Uh, my hero, because I made the right call, was Juwan Johnson. I had him not playable. I had him out of my top 20. And uh, he literally did not record a target. In fact, there was not a single tight end target. It's been kind of disappointing with Juwan Johnson, too, because we thought that Derek Carr coming in and being that quarterback there, somebody that we've seen use the tight end in the past. The crime is he was Darren Waller's tight, uh, quarterback for how many years? And, uh, you know, I, I think we all figured that Juwan Johnson would have a little bit more of a role than zero targets in a game, uh, especially a game that they trailed. But so be it. Juwan Johnson is a, is a, a hero for me because I was right and he was unplayable this week. Yeah, and then we'll continue to be so. Uh, my other observational note for this game, Derek Carr clearly hindered. That's why he had so many check downs in a game in which they had to come back from behind for the majority part of the time. Really could not get that ball down the field. That's why Chris Olave suffered. That's why Michael Thomas suffered. So until he gets himself right, I think we're going to have to temper our expectations a little bit on Olave and them. And when I talked to Brian Scott on Thursday, make sure you guys tune in for that Thursday episode. And we have Brian Scott, the Angelus podcast on at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel. Uh, he talked about how it's probably going to be 
be two to four weeks before he's able to be back to his normal velocity. So we're going to have to keep that as our in the back of our minds when it comes to our expectations for Olave and the other receivers if Derek Carr is going to continue to play through this. Do you have any other notes? Yeah, yeah that's and that's a problem because their top three receivers in Olave, Thomas, and Rashid right. Shahid are all downfield guys. Right. Um, you know, we're not talking about a you know a bunch of guys that, are, that want to run shallow underneath type stuff. I mean, these are guys that you want to be tossing the ball up high and long. Yep, and if he can't do it, that hurts. It's but it might good. be better for Elvin Kamara if he's going to catch 13 freaking balls. Or exactly. I was like, it's going to be good for Kamara. All right, it's let's go to the next, next game. Here is Heroes zero. and zeros. The Washington Commanders taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. The Commanders gave the Eagles all they wanted, but let's talk about our zeros. I don't have any zeros for this game. I didn't think anybody was really that much of a disappointment. Maybe Dallas Goddard to some degree, but you kind of have him as a low-end tight end one anyway. You know it's kind of a hit-or-miss situation, so I don't know. What was your zero for this game? Uh, I was too low on Terry McLaurin. It was way too low on Terry McLaurin. He had a nice day. I mean, eight, eight out of ten targets uh, for 86 yards there. Uh, he recovered a fumble, which kind of elevated his his stat line. I mean, he didn't really yeah. necessarily earn that 22 and a half points today. Uh, he, he fell on a fumble that honestly, you know, probably should have been Brian Robinson's. He should have just held on to the damn ball. But either way, I was, you know, I was a little low on him. But yeah, I'm not going to necessarily take a loss on that. So yeah, I didn't, everybody pretty much played right down the line where you where you thought they should. Yeah, no, 100%. So let's uh, let's switch gears. Let's go to Heroes. A.J. Brown, baby, always ranking him as a top 10 player. 13 targets, not receptions, 175 yards, and two touchdowns. After he stumbled out the gate the first two weeks, he has course corrected in a big way these last two. It looks like the stud that you drafted him to be. My other hero in this game was DeAndre Swift. Not the biggest stat line he's had over the past couple of weeks, but 14 carries, 56 yards, a touchdown, four targets, four receptions, 23 yards. The the reason why he's a hero for me in this one, the gap between him and Gainwell started to separate a little bit this week. And now all of a sudden, Swift might be locked in as a top 16 running back the rest of the way if this can continue. So those are my heroes of this game. What were yours? Right. You know, I, I, I agree with that completely there. I I am a big fan of the idea. I'm a Swifty. I'm I'm big on him. And I'm, I'm hoping that he can continue to separate there from Gainwell a little bit. Um, you know, if he's he's a better than four yard a carry runner, and he you know, only averaged four yards a carry. But I think he can he can be better than that. I think that this offensive line uh, is good enough for him to run behind. I think they don't have to worry about him having to go outside or inside. They don't have to like worry about him not being a between the tackles type runner with this offensive line. Uh, he only saw four targets. I think he'll see more than that even going forward in games where they need it. Uh, I'm a really big fan of of DeAndre Swift and what he's been starting to show there. So, uh, and yeah, and he ended up right exactly where we thought he was going to, right where you and I had him ranked here as a yep. borderline one. So yep. yeah, I'm I'm I was thrilled with seeing that today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as my observational notes for this game is that you could take advantage of the Eagles passing game of your wide receivers. We no longer have to fear the Slay and the Bradbury, I don't think, anymore. Going into this game, the Eagles were 10th in fantasy points allowed to the wide receivers, so they're already kind of showing like they're an advantage there, but it hadn't been a big sample size. But then we see Terry McLaurin, like you kind of mentioned, have a big game. We saw Sam Howell, who I don't think is really that good of a quarterback, have a pretty good game today. How about Sam Howell? Honorary, honorary hero. Yeah. For taking the damn Eagles right down to the 
to the they gave them all they wanted they gave them all they wanted today so now i'm going forward looking at this eagle secondary something that you know what maybe we can attack with our wide receivers through four weeks is what that's kind of what we've seen the safety play is the big reason why it's that so that was my note what was yours uh yeah no i i i was very impressed with with how washington played i think that they proved that they are they're not going to go quietly they're not they're not a pushover team um, and I mean, if they win this game, they're right there, literally neck and neck and tied with, with Philadelphia atop that division. And, uh, you know, I think that it's, it's something to watch going forward. I think Sam Howell is not, yeah, like you said, he's not a great quarterback, but if the matchup is right, we might still be able to get some usable days out of these weapons that he's surrounded by in the run game and the pass game. If, if the matchup is right, I think your Washington commanders are still usable and uh, I, I was I was very impressed with what he showed today, just as a player, and and that team as a whole. I think, um, you know, Ron Rivera might be coaching for his job. We don't know. Eric Bieniemy might be coaching for trying to get a head head job somewhere. But uh, it was a fun get fun game to watch today. That was one of the that was one of the most fun games to watch. I thought of the day. Nope, nope, one hundred percent correct. Let's go to our next game for our heroes and heroes zeros. and zeros. The Minnesota Vikings taking on the Carolina Panthers in this one. And uh, my first immediate zero had to be Kirk Cousins, who's been like the number one quarterback on the year. And then he goes 12 of 19 for 139 yards, two touchdowns and two interceptions. I know Carolina's defense hasn't been bad, but I don't think they're this good. And all of a sudden the Vikings offense just never got going through the air. So if you play Kirk Cousins expecting big things like you've been getting, that was a major disappointment. The other one was Miles Sanders. 13 carries, 19 yards, three targets, three catches for 13 yards. Now, clearly he was limited by his groin issue, but this is the problem. When you have a guy like this who you have plugged in as your high-end, middle-level RB2 every single week, and you find out he's going to play, then you're going to feel compelled to play him. And then you wind up getting screwed by the stat line like this, and you're better off if he just rode the bench. Because <laughs> Chuba Hubbard played ahead of him, outplayed him, outsnapped him this game. He probably shouldn't even have been out there. So that sucks. He was definitely a zero for me. What were yours? Uh, I whiffed big time on the Minnesota defense. I thought they'd be on. I, I just, they have not shown enough this, this year for me to think that they were unplayable, but then they faced Bryce young and Miles Sanders. And I probably should have rethought that. Um, the other one right there then is uh, Jordan Addison really had his, I mean, absolutely nowhere to be found day to day. One target that hurts. I had him as a flexible play and nowhere near that. Yeah, he's an honorary one for me. Thankfully, I actually had him ranked in the like the lower 40s by the end of the week, so I didn't yeah. have him in that range. So, whew, I was glad about that. I had him as a real low end flex type play. I had him in like mid 30s, and yeah, I, yeah, that was that was zero brutal. catches, one target. That was brutal. Uh, let's switch to our our heroes though. Alexander Madison. I still ranked him as a top 22 play, even with Cam Akers making a debut in this one. 17 carries, 95 yards. And while it wasn't a huge fantasy day, it was hyper-efficient, and it means that he gets to hold on to his significant gap between him and Cam Akers at least for another week. So that, I had to be my hero for that one, too. Uh, What was yours? Yeah, I can't necessarily take any real victory laps. I mean, I had Madison ranked right at ECR. Like you said, I had him as a... uh, as a running back to today, I'm not going to, you know, take a lap on Justin Jefferson because it doesn't take a whole lot to, you know, right. predict that Justin Jefferson's going to have a good day and then for him to come out and have a good day. So, 
Yeah, not 100%. That's why I couldn't put him in there either. Uh, as, far, <laughs> as far as my observational notes go, um, like I said, I talked about Hubbard. He played ahead of Sanders. He's definitely the one-for-one handcuff. So if this groin issue continues to linger, makes Sanders miss some games later on. Hubbard has looked decent. I think he's somebody you pick up and play and would be a low in RB2 if Sanders were to be out completely. Um, the, the other note here is that while Thielen was okay with Bryce Young in a great matchup against the Minnesota Vikings, he still caps, Bryce Young that is, caps the ceiling of Adam Thielen and any of the other pass catchers. Because again, the matchup doesn't get much better than Minnesota. And still, Thielen just had like an okay day. Yeah, the, the Hubbard thing, he's still not a great between the tackles runner. But like you said, I think he, yeah, he's definitely a plug-in one for one if and when Miles Sanders does miss. Uh, and if he's going to continue to get that volume, like I said before, I mean, Sanders is Sanders. The whole thing about him was they want to run the football through the, through the running back. And now the way that Bryce young is looked, they need to run that offense through the running back. If Sanders goes down, if he misses any time, I think, I think, yeah, Chuba actually could be a, a real nice pickup. He could be a, a running back to, or, or high in flex play, depending on the matchup. But yeah. Yeah. 100%. All right. So let's go to our next heroes and zeros. Heroes and zeros. The Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Houston Texans. And uh, just before we even get to the, the zeros or the heroes, um, nailed this one. Had the Houston Texans my underdog pick of the week, and they came through big time, baby. Cash that out. <laughs> so I was very happy about that one. But let's talk about our zeros first. And, uh, yeah, so George Pickens, I had him as a top 24 receiver. That was awful. Seven targets, three catches, 25 yards. That was it. That game was a negative game script. Yes, I know Kenny Pickett got hurt with a knee issue. Mr. Trubisky had to come in, but he's still supposed to be like the one and only target that the Steelers really have because Pat Fryermuth also got hurt with a hamstring issue in this game in the second half. So really just disappointing all the way around. And then Tank Dell, who I've been getting pretty aggressive on and had him actually in my like low 20s area heading into this game, had him ranked ahead of Nico Collins, that's for sure. Uh, he only had three yeah. targets, one catch, 16 yards. I will point this out. Tank Dell still ran two more routes than Nico Collins. That's been the trend. Tank Dell is still running more routes than Nico Collins almost every single week and outsnapping him. It just didn't go his way. The big plays went Collins' way. So what were your zeros for this No, game? like like I said, Wednesday night, I thought that this would be a Tank Dell type game because I thought Stroud would have to get the ball out of his hands quickly because of the Pittsburgh pass rush. Pittsburgh had six quarterback hits today, but they didn't come away with a sack um, against the team that I, we all, I think, would have thought they, they probably would have defensively torn apart. Um, CJ Stroud is actually a big zero for me because I whiffed on him hard. I still had him as a, a, a I had him outside of my top 20 there. Uh, he has really proven something. I had him at 21. I mean, I had him barely outside my top 20, but that have, kid can play some football. Yeah. Kid can play some football quarterback 10 on the day. And he has shown that no stage is too big for him. I don't think he was not intimidated by what he saw today. And he came out afterwards. I don't know if you heard his talk after the game, but basically talking about how, Hey, no, it's time for us to actually have some swagger around here and walk around. Like, like we belong in this league. And that kid, that kid's looking really good. I've been very, very impressed with what I've seen from CJ Stroud, not just, you know, his play, but he's, he's leading this franchise, right? He's leading that team. And that's exactly what you want when you spend that high a draft pick on a quarterback. It's what so many others have not gotten. 
100%. And I, this makes me switch my heroes because he is actually one of my heroes. I was five spots ahead of ECR on CJ Shroud heading into this week. 16 of 30, 306 yards, two touchdowns. He's been on fire. He belongs in that top 16 or higher quarterback streaming territory every single week. And we have bye weeks coming up. So he's somebody who I think you are going to be picking up and playing sooner rather than later. Um, Nico Collins being the other one. While I still have lowered and take Dell, I was still ahead of ECR. So I had nine targets, seven catches, 168 yards, and two touchdowns. I still get to say, hey, you're one of my heroes for the game. Who are your heroes in this game? I don't necessarily know that I had any real heroes there. I mean, I was too low on Damian Pierce for the day that he had today, but I don't think that either one of us are real uh, thrilled with the mm-hmm. idea of Damian Pierce going forward. No, it was um, lucky touchdown. I don't, yeah, right. So, yeah, no, I've, yeah I've got, I'm, I'm wiped out on that, on the hero count for this game. <laughs> That's fine. We can go to the observational notes. So this one, um, Najee Harris was efficient, but he still split with Jalen Warren down the middle. Both had 29 snaps each. So that's something to watch there. Even in a game in which he was efficient, Jalen Warren was still getting just as much, if not more work than he was. Um, and it's, it's killing it's killing Najee Harris's value. Just completely distorting his value altogether. And But if you have Jalen Warren, you're still not at the point where you can use him as a flex play yet. You're still kind of waiting to see if something happens with Najee or if he takes over all together. So you're kind of stuck in no man's land either way right now with the Steelers' mm-hmm. backfield with an offense that's not very good. And speaking of, Kenny Pickett does injure the knee. They say it could be an MCL or meniscus. They're not sure. That'll, you know, depending on which one it is, will heavily dictate what the timetable is going to be for him. Uh, so we have to watch that one. And Pat Fryermuth picked up the hamstring injury. He was out right away. So he's somebody who might miss some time. And he's somebody, well, he hasn't been laying it up. He's usually considered a low-end tight end one. So just making it that much thinner with bye weeks coming up. So those are my two big notes that I had for this game. What were yours? Based on what you were getting out of your Pittsburgh offensive players uh, before this point, is anybody all that worried about Kenny Pickett's injury if Mitch Trubisky has to see time at that quarterback? I mean, I don't think it changes anything. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So like, okay, if you had Pickett as your quarterback two or whatever in a super flex league, you might have to scramble around a little bit or you might be trying to pick up Mitch, but like, yeah, you weren't necessarily getting a ton out of, out of these guys anyway, especially with Deontay Johnson having missed, uh, you know, almost basically the entire season so far with his injury. Um, if you watched the game, if you watched Najee Harris actually run the ball today, we keep trying to like, will Jalen Warren, we as in like the industry and people in fantasy football keep trying to will Jalen Warren to being a thing. And I don't think that he's a, poor football player. It's just Najee Harris came out today and kind of put a big stiff arm into that whole idea. Like sit down. I'm not done yet. He, he ran hard average over five yards of carry. Najee Harris doesn't necessarily average over five yards of carry all the time, uh, sure. but he, he came out and did today. Uh, Jalen Warren caught six targets. He had six targets. He caught all six of them only for 26 yards. He did have a fumble that they recovered, but um, yeah, I just, I don't see where they need where, where Pittsburgh's, I don't see where their offense is better served by necessarily taking anything, taking work away from Najee Harris just yet, especially if their starting quarterback's going to be down. They're not getting as much out of their pass offense as I think they wanted and they needed. They still have Matt Canada call in place. So probably all this freaking discussion is a moot point anyway. But <laughs> I mean, I still think Najee Harris looks like the guy that they should be trying to feature in that backfield. I think Jalen Warren is, is fun for a change of pace. I think he's fine to have in there on some passing downs. Let's not forget Najee Harris is freshman year, freshman year, rookie year had 93 targets. I mean, this is not a guy who cannot play in the pass game. Uh, and, and he can, you know, he, he can be successful that way. So 
I think that I just, I just, I wish the Jalen Warren thing. He's not quite, he's not Jaleel McLaughlin in, in that he came out of nowhere to take points away from Najee Harris, but Najee Harris is not necessarily a guy that, that is going to disappear and should disappear yet. So. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying, but the fact that they're still splitting touches. There's still and, that's, and, but that's and, the problem. And to your point of there's not a lot going on in the Steelers offense. So what if mm-hmm. they look at Jalen Warren and say, like, you know what? At least you can hit a home run. You could be maybe a we can get a spark you yeah. touches. Yeah. That's the thing that I think I would be looking for if there's not going to be a Harris injury if you're if you're holding on the Jalen Warren bandwagon. If the Fryermuth injury becomes something, I mean they've yeah, mm-hmm. they drafted Darnell Washington and he's eight foot nine and, and all of that, but yeah that might open up some more pass game work for the running backs as well, which would be a positive for either of them if you yeah. are uh, counting on either of them. So we'll watch, have to watch that. Let's go to our next game, our Heroes and Zeros. Heroes and Zeros. The Las Vegas Raiders taking on the Los Angeles Chargers in this game. So let's just, before we do anything, let's just go ahead and talk about our Zeros in this one. I didn't have any, Chase. I didn't have any zeros, believe it or not, in this game. Because, like I said, you could put, you could throw Jacoby Myers out there if you want to. But as soon as I heard Jimmy Garoppolo was going to be out, I knocked Myers out of my top 36 altogether. You weren't worried about him anyway. Exactly, yeah. 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 So, you have any zeros yeah. this one or no? No, it, it was it was still a fun game to watch. It was, it, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you got what you were expecting once you knew that it was going to be a rookie out there. Right. So let's just switch to the heroes. Josh Jacobs finally starting to look like himself. 17 carries, 58 yards. He gets a touchdown, 11 targets, eight receptions, and 81 yards. Yes, Aiden O'Connell was definitely looking to check the ball down more. You know, Aiden O'Connell, I got to give him credit. He got the ball to Devontae Adams, and he got the ball to Josh Jacobs. That's more than I can say for Zach Wilson. He knew, actually knows where to get the ball to. So you know what? Aiden O'Connell, good job. Josh Jacobs looking like himself. Two good games in a row. Getting this thing turned around. Good for him. My other hero was Justin Herbert. He didn't necessarily have the big game throwing the ball. 13 of 24 and only 167 yards. A touchdown interception. But he started to run a little bit more, which makes him even dangerous for a fantasy asset. 27 yards rushing, two rushing touchdowns. Found a way to get it done, even though it wasn't happening in the air necessarily. Who are your heroes in this game? Did you hear his quote after the game, too? They asked him what was wrong with his hand. He says, ah, it's a flesh wound. Flesh wound. It's, it, is, it is nothing. It's but a flesh wound. And when they asked him if it was really a flesh wound or just a quote, he says, that's ah, <laughs> <laughs> So, no, yeah, he was definitely a big hero uh, you know, for me as well today, too. Uh, I'm going to give an honorary hero to, to Devontae Adams, who went down with what we thought, went right to the locker room. We thought yeah. he had an injury, came back, actually played really well, didn't score, but he caught eight out of 13 targets for 75 yards and and uh, didn't give you quite the number three day that we were all, or that ECR and myself expected him to have. But uh, considering we thought we might have lost him for him to come out and still play hard. And he had a, he had a couple of just absolutely amazing catches there, bailing that, uh, that kid out. Aiden O'Connell played hard today. Good for him. Showed, I think, that he belongs in the league at least, which is always nice to see for a guy's, you know, debut. So, but yeah, I'll give an honorary hero to Devontae Adams there. Yeah, 100%. Like I said, my notes kind of talk about that without Garoppolo. Devontae Adams still got fed. Josh Jacobs still got fed. The guy who got left out is Kobe Myers. Just keep that in mind. If, if, my, if Garoppolo were to miss another week due to the concussion issue, we're just going to be leaving Myers out on our bench for now until he returns. Uh, the other note that I had is uh, Palmer. Uh, he led his team in targets on the Chargers side in his debut starting for Mike Williams for this season, which to me solidifies the fact that he is at least a wide receiver three flex play for now moving forward until we see Quinton Johnson take on a bigger role. 
So what were your notes for this game? Yep, definitely. Yeah, jo- yeah. Josh Palmer looked the part that we kind of thought he was going to look. Uh, he, he definitely, like we've said, like I said on Wednesday, he has earned that role. I still think Johnston is a dynamic player and, and has, uh, you know, a little bit probably higher ceiling in terms of what he's capable of. But Palmer has earned the role. And every time that he's out there, he just plays professional football. Uh, Darius Davis might be knee high to a grasshopper, but he's kind of a fun player to watch. It would yep. be kind of fun if they could get figure out some ways, scheme him around, and 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 get him involved a little bit more, especially if uh, if Eckler's going to be out. This goes away the second Austin Eckler steps back on the field. Well, no, I, I, then that's part of the issue. Like I just said, as yeah. long as Austin Eckler's out, it would be fun. If, but even even after he comes back, I think you can do some of the fun stuff that you were missing without Austin Eckler. Even if you've got Josh Kelly on the field, you still can do some of that kind of fun stuff because you've got little Darius Davis that can run around and sneak around and zing around the end. So yeah, no, that's fair. He's a, he's a fun player. I mean, I'm I'm not running out. He's not he's not rosterable, fantasy wise, but he's freaking fun to watch. Nope, sure. Uh, let's go to our next heroes game. and zeros. England Patriots taking on the Dallas Cowboys. And this wasn't a great game fantasy-wise unless you had the Dallas Cowboy defense in this one. My zeros, Tony Pollard. 11 carries, 47 yards, three targets, three receptions, 13 yards. A very mediocre stat line when you see Dallas blow out a team 38-3. to Not what you're expecting there. And then, consequently, the other running back, Stevenson, who's just had a rough go. It hasn't had great matchups, but it's been brutal for Ramondre Stevens and his efficiency. 14 carries, 30 yards, only three targets, two receptions, and 10 yards. Just not being utilized in the passing game the way he had been last year. And it's causing a problem because when he has these tough matchups, when he has these inefficient days, he's not making up for it with extra catches right now. So Stevenson falling more and more is that back in RB2 territory for me. Where are you at with your zeros? Uh, yeah, my uh, my zeros actually kind of also doubles as a hero because I was, you know, I was right to uh, to not like the guy. Mac Jones, uh, I had him at number 29. He's, uh, he, he, he came in at 34. There's 32 teams in the league, folks, and, and four of them hadn't played by the time that he got done with his game. Um, Mac Jones was just absolutely terrible. Made some inexplicable, just stupid decisions today. Pair of interceptions and, and really just put that team behind the eight ball as if they weren't playing a, hard, a tough enough defense there. Uh, Bailey Zappi actually got in the game, saw some time there, and uh, played better, at least scored better from a fantasy standpoint, which didn't take much. I mean, you and I could have got in there and completed a couple of passes to at least the right color jersey and scored more than Mac Jones did. So he's uh, he's at once a zero and a hero for me because I had him as someone you didn't want to start, and he is completely off the radar right now. Yeah, 100%. All right. Uh, I don't have any heroes. Do you? <laughs> other than yeah, other than Mac Jones, finally, yeah, showing his maybe his true colors and actually getting us to see, yeah, to watch Bill Belichick rub his forehead in in disgust with his handpicked guy. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's let's go to the observational notes that I have here. And uh, one is Dallas defense got back on track. They got over the mental hurdle that was Trevon Diggs. Now there's still not going to be the same defense without him, but fantasy wise is still one of the top three defenses you want to have. And they showed you why uh, my other observational note was that Jake Ferguson actually finally did something with the volume that he had been receiving. Now he had been mm-hmm. consistently seeing seven targets, but I was seeing a guy who maybe wasn't good enough despite the volume to actually do anything with it this game he actually did seven catches 87 yards and now with buys coming up and some injuries some tight ends that we've talked about he might be cracking my top 12 for the next couple of weeks moving forward although 
Next week, they do play San Francisco. So maybe not quite week five. Listen, I, I, I like Dalton Schultz as a dude. I think he's, he's a fine NFL football player. I don't think he's anything special athletically at the tight end position or otherwise. I just, I don't find him special. And yet he was such a high end tight end target uh, when he played for Dallas and, and such a, such a, uh, you know, a first read for Dak all the time. Now, Luke, you know, I, I think that, that Jake Ferguson can be on that same kind of a level. I think he really can be. It's going to take a lot more days like this and a lot less of what we saw the first three weeks. But keep in mind that we've got Mike McCarthy who's calling plays now. It's not Kellen Moore's offense anymore. And they may still be kind of finding their groove and finding their rhythm there in terms of Dak and understanding and wanting to understanding what he wants his progressions and needs his progressions to be. But uh, yeah, Jake Ferguson, tell you what, yeah, he, if he's going to continue to get this kind of volume, in this offense that should be a very high performing offense with everything that they've got around him, the, the weapons that they have around him. Uh, yeah. He, he could end up being an answer sooner rather than later at tight end when, you know, at a position that we're all looking for answers for, unless we've got Taylor's boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, it's valid. Uh, it was an actual headline on NBC news, by the I way, know. that she had showed up I to watch the game, her and Ryan Reynolds and Blake lively. Yeah. So, I just let's, Swifties in unswift places. I just, you guys know how I feel about it. I can't, I can't get behind this. It just, it drives me up a wall. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. It's okay. Shake it off. Shake it off. It's going to be so bad. Just, you guys keep loving it so that the Swifties still love the show, but I'm just going to be the (laughs) one, you know, naysayer, get off my long guy in the background. Uh, Let's get to our last match. Let's get to our last match. Heroes and zeros. Arizona Cardinals taking on the San Francisco 49ers. Right. I got the McCaffrey jersey on. We'll talk about that in a second. Let's talk about our zeros first, though. Uh, Debo Samuel. Now, I was actually lower. The ECR was on him. Everything being uncertain. Uh, but zero targets, three carries for six yards. I mean, if you had Debo, you played him. Expecting wide receiver two kind of numbers against the Arizona Cardinals. And what's crazier is that, like, well, maybe he was on a snap count. Maybe he should have compensated for that. No, 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 no. Debo played the most snaps out of all the wide receivers for San Francisco 49ers, ran the most routes, and still walked away with zero targets. So the playing time was not the issue. There's just no production whatsoever. And that also dives into George Kittle, who's always a boomer bust guy, but it's tough to swallow a top five tight end and getting one target for one catch for nine yards against a subpar defense. So those had to be my two zeros of the game. Who are yours? Uh, yeah, again, not something I can beat myself up over. And listen, based on the way he played today, he deserves to be called a hero. But based on our format, he's a complete zero today. Joshua Dobbs, I had at 31, which was ECR on him. And he finished as quarterback six on the day against San Francisco's defense. He played his ace off today and kept them in that game and, and, and kept it competitive for long enough that it was like, holy cow, like what, look what they can do here. Josh Dobbs actually played like an NFL quarterback today, got a couple of touchdown passes against the defense that could, should have absolutely wiped them out, we thought. Um, he joined the team like 15 minutes before opening kickoff. Yeah. What, and, and like, and the kid just, he, he played well, good for him. Good for Josh Dobbs. I, I whiffed on that, but I think everybody else in the, on the planet whiffed on that too. 
Oh, absolutely. What's crazy is that San Francisco did dominate this game, but yeah, points were still had because Dobbs runs a little bit and he's making some things mm-hmm. happen. And it's just even with the Cardinals not even putting up 20 points in this game, still actually had a decent fancy day. And he's been doing that kind of consistently over the last four weeks. Like we might have to start talking about Dobbs being a streaming quarterback moving forward. Like even if it doesn't look just don't watch the second half, but if right. even it doesn't look pretty, you know, who cares? Uh, all right. So let's, let's switch to our heroes. And, uh, of course, Christian McCaffrey has to be a hero. So not only does he break the touchdown streak record, now it's 13 games, it was 12. He tied it last week. He breaks it this week. He breaks it with four touchdowns in one game. Three rushing, one receiving, 28 total opportunities, almost almost 200 yards from scrimmage. The man is unreal in this offense in particular. Oh, my God, it's crazy. And then throwing Brian Ayuk. So the reason Devo Samuel and George Kittle suck is it was all Chris McCaffrey and then Brian Ayuk. Six targets, six catches, 148 yards. Who's your heroes in this game? Mr. Irrelevant, completing 20 out of 21 passes today for 283 yards and a score. Oh, yeah, and by the way, he kind of snuck himself in and run for one, two. Two touchdowns is his floor. He got two touchdowns. It's just one of them happened to come with his legs. Um, quarterback 11 on the day. I had him right there on that on that quarterback one, quarterback two kind of line at 13. What, what a show. What a show today. 20 out of 21. Like, are you kidding me? That's why the, that's why the dude continues to be the starting quarterback. Right. Is because he, he's just – he's. He's not flashy. He's not the most athletic quarterback in in the league. He's not the greatest. He was. He, there's nobody out there that would look at him and Trey Lance side by side and say, "Oh, no, 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 Trey Lance is not as good an athlete as, as Brock Purdy." But Purdy's just he's just intel. He he knows they know how to use him within the context of what they want to do on offense, and he knows how to operate within that framework. And it doesn't help. It doesn't hurt anything that he's got George freaking Kittle and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and oh yeah, Christian McCaffrey. But either way. Uh, the kid just continues to prove, yeah, he might've been the last guy taken, but he's, he definitely belongs in this league ahead of quite a few of the dudes that were taken in front of him at any, regardless of position. Yeah. 100%. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, my observational notes for this one. Uh, my first one was Marquise Brown is becoming a dependable, potentially even low end wide receiver two, high wide receiver three game script consistently in the favor because consistently a negative game script for the Arizona Cardinals. But even against Dallas, when it was pro game script, actually surprising enough, it looks like Dobbs is getting the ball out finally now over the past couple of weeks to Marquise Brown to his number one target. So that's good news there. Be able to start using him uh, and also, so my other note here is that without Mitchell, McCaffrey apparently is guaranteed 25 plus touches when Mitchell is not on the field. Right. So like, like if we like, as if they didn't need to give him as yeah. Touches I, me personally, I ranked B. John Robinson my number one running back overall this year because I was anticipating the 49ers mixing in Elijah Mitchell. And, and not only when he's been healthy, have they pretty much not done that? <laughs> when he's out, it's like a guaranteed 25 plus for Christian. It's 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 insane right now. So those are my two notes. Who are yours? Right. Yeah. Like there's no reason that they have to continue to give Christian McCaffrey that many touches because they've got Debo Samuel. They've got Elijah Mitchell. They've got him. Yeah. But yet. It's so Somehow, good. some way, we keep getting super CMC, which is it's fun to watch. It's awesome to watch. It's fantastic, um, too. Yeah, just absolutely. Oh, man. We, yeah, everybody who took Jamar Chase in the top three instead of instead of Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, how, how, do, how do you all feel about that? I know how I freaking feel about it, for yeah. one. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, my only other note on this is I love Brandon Ayuk. 
Yeah, Brandon Ayuk, he's he's the real deal, man. He's he's just ready to take that next step. Hopefully, he can stay on the field consistently. Uh, that wraps it up for today's show. We're gonna be back at nine thirty on Wednesday night for Operation Domination episode, the full preview for the week. Make sure you tune in. Ask your fantasy football questions. We engage with you guys. We give you you know prop bets and and a whole fantasy football rundown and everything in between. Everything you need to not only get on your way to winning your championships, but also cashing some tickets in the meantime. So make sure you tune back in on our YouTube channel, subscribe, hit the bell notification, stay up to date with us on the go. And you download us on your favorite podcast app. We'll see you at 930 Wednesday night. Take care, you guys. 